This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yes, people. Off and running on this Thursday, May 12th. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. How is everybody feeling? Oh, big show lined up for tonight. We got the Yankees on the TV. The Mets just keep winning games. The Rangers are rolling, flying high after a Game 5 win last night. So we got a lot of stuff to get into. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. And I think the only person on the station, you can find me on TikTok at Old Man Radio. But more importantly, most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio for the next three hours, and of course on the new ESPN New York app, we've got football people. That's the that's the headline. Bury the lead. We have football, and I have to warn you, it is Jets and Giants football, but it's still football. It's still good. It's still very very good because it is the NFL, and we love the NFL. What do we love more than the NFL? Now it has not loved us back the last five years. But it's still NFL football, and we love it. And much like the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin when he's celebrating the new phone books are here, the NFL schedules are here, people. Now, we already knew the who and the, and the where's, but now today we found out the wins. And when you find out the wins, that's big stuff. Big stuff. And, and maybe it's me. Maybe it is me. I'm, I'm generally a very positive person. Very happy outlook on the world. But maybe it's like the fact that the weather's starting to change, right? We're starting to get into actual spring weather. It feels like all the mo- the seasons are like a month behind. Spring was supposed to start in April. We're now like mid-May and it's just start. But anywho, the weather's changing. Maybe it's the fact that the Yankees and Mets are like they win every day, right? It feels like they win every single day. Mets have already won. Yankees about to get underway. All the positivity around the NFL draft, that's not worn off. It's going to be a while before that wears off. But it feels like, in terms of New York sports, that we've been kind of stuck in this rut. We've been stuck in the the doldrums, right? Certainly with the NFL season, the Knicks season didn't go the way it wanted. The the Nets season was, was not exactly how you drew it up. But it kind of feels like that we've already hit rock bottom and, and things are, are on the way back up. I think that we're starting to come out of it. Now, part of it might be the Yankees and Mets because, as I said, it does feel like they win every single day. But the NFL schedules were released today, and even though we knew what teams you were going to be playing, it does kind of feel like, hey, you know what? This doesn't look so, – it's almost like that scene in Major League. These guys aren't so bad. Now, that's not the way the movie starts, but – You look at the schedules, and again, the optimism is starting to sink in. So correct me if I'm wrong at 1-800-919-ESPN, but I think the first thing you got going for you, if you are going to take a look at it with an optimistic eye, the good news is it can't get any worse, people. (laughs) It can't. We can't get any lower. Now, that's not to say that it's necessarily going to be better, But it can't get any worse. If you've hit rock bottom, you can't go any lower than rock bottom. You can't go any lower than that. And you'd have to say for both football organizations in this town, it can't get any worse. The Giants have gone through one of the darkest periods for a franchise 
that has been around since 1925. If you were to do a history of the New York football giants and you were going to have it just about the low points, the last five years would be a chapter in the book. Five consecutive seasons of awful football. A GM who is the NFL's version of Voldemort for Giant fans, he who shall not be named. And as bad as the Giants have been, and it's been stark because they've actually been an organization that has reached the the mountaintops, has reached the pinnacle. The Jets, the last five years, might be even worse because they're an organization that has largely been known for bad football, and yet these last five years still stand out. That's how bad they've been. That these five, you would think at some point it would just be, ah, oh, it's all the same thing. No, no, no. These last five years have been even worse. Do you realize the Jets have not won a game in the month of September since Sam Darnold's NFL debut? That was the last time they won a game in the first month of the season. Wow. That's kind of hard to believe. In the last five years, they have averaged one division win a year. One. They play six. But despite all the bad, and you would think that most times when when uh, uh, objects in motion tend to stay in motion, right? Like if you've been in a bad stretch, you would think that most people would still be stuck thinking it's still going to be bad. But that's not the case. Have you talked to the fan bases of the Jets? There's positivity. There's optimism. There's hope. There might even be some faith, a little bit of faith. A lot of hope. whole lot of hope, a little bit of faith. Go ask a Giant fan, a typical Giant fan, about how he feels about where his organization is at right now. Well, after the last five years, they feel like, well, we've been already through it. it again, it can't get any worse. Ask a, a Giant fan about Joe Shane. Or ask Jet fans about the draft. You In this day and age, where we are as divided as we've ever been, there's always a way to find the, the differing opinion. Go find an opinion where somebody says, you know what, the Jets did a terrible job at the draft. Or, or, or simply find somebody who says, yeah, the Jets draft, it was okay. It's, I can't find them. I, now, trust me, I've looked. And that positivity, at least with the Jets, it doesn't end there. Think about all the, the, the talk surrounding a Jet team as we get set to start this second season for the head coach, second season for the, the quarterback. Zach Wilson is the best second-year quarterback set up for success, right? Well, it's not that hard considering some of the second-year quarterbacks don't seem like they're set up for success at all. Right? Justin Fields I don't think is set up for success. Trey Lance doesn't even have a starting job as of yet right now. And whether he ever does is, remains to be seen. But that second year, that's generally when it happens. If it, happened, if it didn't happen in year one, it better happen in year two because year three, you're on the clock. And all the optimism surrounding the Jets, it has gone from an organization where the general consensus is, well, the quarterback has no weapons. And now the general consensus has been, The quarterback really doesn't have any excuses. The Jets have to start winning games. 
So 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. The NFL schedule, are they officially out yet? It feels like they're already out. So we'll give you what the schedules are because everybody already knows them. I don't know if we're supposed to hold them for a specific time. It seems silly, right? We already know who they're playing. We know where they're playing. We're just going to tell you when they're playing them. And I will tell you this. We'll do a little uh, NFL card sharks. I loved card sharks. Remember card sharks? Oh, love. Higher, lower. We'll do a little higher, lower with the uh, NFL schedules. We'll run through for the Jets. What's a fair expectation for the Jets? What's a fair expectation for the Giants? Because one team, one of the two local teams, the Giants and the Jets, will do very well early on. And the other one is set up for success in the second half of the year. So we'll tell you which is which coming up. We'll do the over-unders. We'll get your phone calls involved. 8 o'clock, we will talk some NBA with who better to talk NBA with? Adrian Wojnarowski will get some thoughts on, of course, Sean Mark's comments yesterday. Maybe get some thoughts about uh, the Knicks and what they're going to do this offseason. Is this finally the offseason? Leon Rose will make the big splash. So we got a lot of stuff to do. And then, of course, 9 o'clock. We will get into, I think it's now the number one segment on the station. It is what I learned on TikTok. If you've not heard it before, oh my God, it's nothing but rave reviews. And it's the game that you can play along with. It's not just a singular thing that you are getting left in the dark. No, no, you get to play along and we'll put both Jacob and Jake in the hot seat tonight to see if they can decipher what I actually, I'm not a very smart man, but I learn a lot on TikTok every single week. So nine o'clock, we'll do that. Now back to the Gordon Damer show on 98.7 ESPN. What is the Yankee game? Eight o'clock tonight? I hate this. I, li- I like, I like a uh, structure. I like seven o'clock starts. The show starts at seven o'clock. The game should be starting at seven o'clock. How about yesterday, Gordon? I was at a 1230 game. Yeah, that's that doesn't really work for my schedule. I I, I roll in there at about uh, you know one forty five ish. It was it was bizarre. I felt like every person there was either twelve years old at, at a school trip or mm-hmm. some type of playing hooky, or you were unemployed and you were there at twelve thirty. So. I luckily work which nights, I guess. I don't know if it's luckily. <laughs> yeah, right? I was. If uh, we asked the crowd, which one would they say you were? The I was the unemployed 12-year-old. Uh, yeah, but the Yankees, you know, they're on fire. They keep winning ball games, and that's all that matters. All that matters, right? I mean, it's amazing. Even after being eliminated from playoff contention in that first week of the season when they lost the Orioles, those two or three, I mean, it's disappointing that that's the way the season's you know gone, what's, but still. You know like, what's so amazing, too, is that's, that's the only series they've lost this year. Yeah, they've kind of picked it up from then. And I, I brought this up last week. This is kind of the, the, the way that it has gone with Aaron Boone. Yankees start the season. They kind of kick it around for the first week and a half, 10 days or so, two weeks. And then all of a sudden they get super hot. Now, this year it's been more pronounced than the other years. But in other years they've, they've followed it up with like winning nine in a row, winning seven of eight or something like that. So it really probably shouldn't be all that surprising. But I think the, I think the fact that the pitching that has been – like, you go into any season with any team, and every team has questions. At least right now, almost all the questions for the Yankees have been answered in a positive sense, especially in the pitching department. Starters, relievers, everybody. So, it's awesome. Yeah, it feels different, which is great, but again, it is still May. Yeah, so it's still May. It's you want to wait till the playoffs early. to see a little bit of a difference. but Well, look, I mean, I think the first mission, if you're a Yankee fan, I think if you're a Met fan as well, I think if you're a team – uh, a, a fan of a team that is expecting big things, the first thing you want to do is to win your division. Yankees have not won the division nearly enough here the last decade or so. So that's the first goal. 
And at least right now, I kind of like where they're at. Now, I think the Blue Jays will be heard from. The Rays are always heard from. I think the Red Sox will eventually wake up at some point. So they, you know, that's the one thing the Yankees that don't have going for them that the Mets do. I, I don't really look at the, the National League East might be the worst division in baseball. Um, outside of the Braves, there's not a team in that division that I think can challenge the Mets. As well as the Marlins have kind of gotten off to a halfway decent start, I don't think the Marlins are going to challenge for a playoff spot. The Nationals are clearly not going to challenge for a playoff spot. And it seems like the Phillies, while they have some some big positives, they have just as equally big negatives. So Yeah, I'm looking at the standing. I can't believe they're 14 and 17. The, the Phillies, Phillies. Yeah, yeah, the Phillies are 14 and 17, and with that lineup with Bryce Harper, Castellano, Schwarber, I, I, we all oh, saw. The, we all the saw the, not the, not, the lineup's yeah. not really the issue. We the, saw the, the issue bullpen. Is they can't really do much. <laughs> yeah, they don't catch the ball very well. <laughs> they don't run the bases all that great. They, uh, the bullpen is an issue. Yeah, when, yeah. when you blow a uh, six one, uh, seven Ooh. one lead to the Mets in the ninth, that's usually a, a red flag. Anytime you have a uh, point in the first month of the season where you're hitting rock bottom, not great. And that was certainly a rock-bottom kind of moment for uh, the Phillies. All right, let's get some football. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number because, as I mentioned, the optimism surrounding two teams that have been, if you had to look at the entire NFL over the last five years, the two worst teams, right? Jets, Giants. So the NFL schedules are out, I believe. Let's get to the Giants first because here's the point on the Giants. I don't think the Giants are going to have a very good season. All the things that we said about the Jets last year with Robert Sala, what was the general takeaway? Well, you know what? New coach replacing Adam Gase. There are no expectations on this season. They have a rookie quarterback, a first-time head coach. There are no expectations. And I think that that's the way you kind of have to look at it if you are a Giant fan. It's a new regime. It's a new coach. It's the same quarterback. But in some ways, you have more questions about him than, than the quarterback on the other team. Um, so I, I don't expect the Giants to have a very good team this year. I don't think they're going to have a very good record. But I will say this. By the time they hit their bye, the Giants should probably be a 500 team. Now, here's the schedule of the Giants that is circulating. First up, week one. Giants are at Tennessee. They are at the Titans. Giants are a six-and-a-half-point underdog in that game. So they're underdogs by just about a touchdown. Okay, so that you would not think is a, um, a, a very winnable game. But here are the Giants games before their bye, which comes in Week 9. Tennessee Week 1, home for Carolina Week 2, Giants at Cowboys, uh, excuse me, Cowboys at Giants Week 3, Bears at Giants Week 4, Giants and Packers in London week five, the Ravens at the Giants week six, week seven, Giants at Seattle. That, that, those are some very winnable games. Am I wrong? Seattle's not going to be good. The Bears are not going to be good. Carolina's not going to be good. And who did the Giants come out of their bye against? Houston and the Lions. There is no reason, even if the Giants are not going to be very good, if... They're halfway, I mean, if they're going to put a halfway decent product on the field, that's a, that, those are some very winnable games. Now, the problem is, second half of the season, they get a lot more division games, and I think it gets far more difficult, especially that last half. They get the Colts uh, second last week of the year. They get Philly at Philly the last week of the year. They have to go to Minnesota. They have a lot more road games that second half of the year, including at Dallas. 
But that first half of the season kind of sets up pretty well where it should not be the same old thing where Giants and Jets every single season, the season's over by October. Now, I don't expect the Giants to be a playoff team. I don't expect them to contend for a playoff spot. But you tell me how I'm wrong. By the time they reach their bye, they should be roughly a 500 team. This should not be a team that starts out 0-4 or 0-5 and and the season's already slipped away. So the Giants' over-under number is 7. So give me a little bit of card shark music. Do we look at at the Giants at at 7? Is that going to be higher or lower? Do we have any card shark musics? We've got the theme song. I love the card, the skinny mics. Oh, there it is. Over under of seven for the Giants. Now, that second half of the season at Dallas, Washington, I mean, it's basically all division games with the exception of the Colts and at Minnesota. I'm going to say the Giants seven. If that feels like that feels like the perfect spot, right? Seven. We're talking seven and ten. Do you look at the Giants being eight and nine? I can't see them going eight and nine. Even though I do have them winning some games in that first half, and I could see them being four and four, I am going to say the Giants are under. I'm going lower. Lock it in. Lock it in. Under seven wins for the Giants. All right. Let's move on to the Jets, shall we? Because this one, I've been I've been banging this drum for a while. The Jets' over-under number is five and a half, and there is no way in God's green earth that the Jets can be under six wins. You don't get... I mentioned last year, completely understandable. Rookie quarterback, first-year head coach, no expectations on the season. Even then, they won four games. Even then, they won four games. So if the Jets are winning five games this year... Something has gone seriously wrong. You don't get to, if you're Joe Douglas, have a team that wins five or fewer games year in and year out. It's his team. It's his quarterback. It's his coach. They've had draft picks up the wazoo here the last few years. They win the draft every single year. The Jets have to be higher than five and a half. They have to finally start to show some signs of progress so five and a half i'm going higher for the jets lock it in lock it in all right so the jets get rid of the music um jet schedule is this and now look the jets have to win more than five and a half games i'll be honest with you it's kind of hard to find six wins i'm not gonna lie now maybe part of that is i'm looking at the team and i'm looking at the quarterback from where he was last year and by all accounts and measures from everybody here He's taken strides already. He's gotten the weight room. He's taken control of the organization. He's going to be better in year two. You've heard it from the media. You've heard it from the coach. You've heard it from everybody that Zach Wilson is going to take this step, this big step forward. It's year two for the second pick in the draft from a year ago. He's got him. But you tell me how many wins you got the Jets. Here's the Jets schedule. Ready? Week one, obviously, they get the Ravens at home. Tough way to open the season. And in fact, Jets face the AFC North for the first month of the season. Ravens, Browns, Bengals, and Steelers. So that's, the, that's a tough way to open the year. Browns are, are at Cleveland. Steelers are at Pittsburgh. Bengals are at home. Ravens are at home. After that, week five, they get the Dolphins at home. 
at the Packers, at the Broncos. Then back home for two division games, Patriots and Bills. They get their bye in Week 10. Uh, After that, they come back from the bye at Patriots, take on the Bears, are at Minnesota. They get the Bills. And then the final month of the season, there's no reason why the Jets are not winning at least three games right here in the final month of the season. Ready? Home for the Lions. December 22nd, that's a Thursday night game against the Jaguars on Prime Video. (laughs) Prime, I think, is a quotation. Uh, Seahawks at Seattle, and then they close at the Dolphins on January 7th or 8th. That is to be determined. So I think the Jets have at least three wins in them in that final month of the season. So over the first three months, it's about finding three other wins. And, And look, I'll be honest with you. It's tough to, to look at that schedule given with what the Jets have done here the last few years and say, oh, for sure, win, win. They're going to start going on a winning streak here. But you have to start winning some games. And I would just simply say, well, where are the wins coming from? Last year, they beat the Bengals and the Titans. So you have to be able to beat somebody. You have to be able to win six games. There's just no other way about it. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. All right, let's get some phone calls in here. I've talked too much. Or I'm working way too hard, people. Uh, let's go to Sam. It's in uh, Rockland. Sam, you're first up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. Three quick points, and I know it's going to be a funky phone call, but regarding the first half of the schedule for the Jets, really tough. I can imagine them winning one or two games here. But that second half, like you mentioned, after the bye, they could go on a big streak and get some confidence for the next season. Now, regarding Zach Wilson's potential, like I was looking at the schedule for the Jets, there's only one or two QBs I would take over him, given the fact that he's only second year and on his rookie contract. All these other quarterbacks, you know, it takes time. It takes time, like Matt Stafford took time, and uh, not everyone's Tom Brady. So the fact is, is that given Zach Wilson's young age and the fact that he's looking on the upswing, um, I'm, I'm wondering who else you would take in those games over – Zach Wilson, maybe Lamar Jackson, maybe at their young age. That's what I'm trying to say. Not what they've done in the past. Well, I mean, I I think clearly uh, Lamar Jackson. I think clearly Deshaun Watson. They play the Packers. When is that? Week six. So obviously Rodgers. Russell Wilson's one. Uh, Obviously Josh Allen a couple of times. Um, I probably would still take – Trevor Lawrence over him. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, the second, you know, Tua I've never been a big fan on. The Steelers are very uh, unsa- – oh, uh, excuse me. I, for- I forgot about um, um, I forgot about the Bengals as well. I would take, uh, obviously, him as well. So, I mean, um, Joe Burrow. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's, there's a bunch of guys. Um, now, here, here's the thing, Sam. It, it's not that I'm expecting Zach Wilson to turn into one of those guys this season. But he has to show you far more. He has to show you far more progress and far more consistency. He has to look a lot more like the guy who came back from the injury rather than the guy that started the season. He was not ready to be an NFL quarterback to start the season last year. Right. So let's go. Let's go eight and nine and just hope for the best. That's it. That's, that's all right, I look. I mean, Sam. I, I don't think that that's you know. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Crazy things happen every single year. I would not say that I'm expecting eight and nine. But would it be crazy for me to think that the Jets could could win eight games? I, I don't think so. I mean, look, it, it starts with you got to win at least a couple of division games. You got to be able to figure out a way to beat a couple of teams in your own division. You get six games every year, and the Jets have won zero against division teams the last two years. There's a reason why they've won six games. They haven't won games against anybody, certainly not against teams in their division. Now, the Bills games, those are going to be very, very difficult, but... Uh, I think you gotta you gotta be able to find a way to win some games. You can't go 
two and three and four wins. And if you won four games last year, what are you looking for? You're looking for progress, right? You're looking for progress from the quarterback. You're looking for progress from the, from the defense. And the good news is it really can't be much worse than it looked at times last year. So, yeah, I think you have to look for, for progress as well from the team in terms of wins and losses. I don't think there's any way around it. There's no, there's no way we can sit here on May 12th and say, you know what, the Jets are going to win five games this year. Five games, and that's acceptable. How could you say, I mean, if you're telling me all these things are true, right? The quarterback is good, and and who he was in the second half of the year is more of where he's going to be. He's going to take this big step forward. Okay, fine. The defense has to be better just by, I mean, just by natural select. I mean, they were so bad last year. Teams are not that bad year in and year out, so there has to be some progress there. You hope you're going to be a little bit healthier. You spent all this draft capital on, on defensive players, at least two of them. So, yeah, you got to hope that this year. I mean, again, I'm not asking for the moon. I'm not asking for playoffs. I'm asking for six wins. Six wins. That is not too much to ask. Uh, let's go to uh, Justin is in Tom's River. Justin, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. Thank you for taking my call. Um, you, you hit a lot of big points. I was going to, you know, talking about Zach Wilson. You know, talking about the draft this year, the biggest draft pick the Jets made was last year's first-round pick with Wilson. No he does not take a step forward. The Jets ain't going nowhere, regardless of who they took this year and if the players pan out or not. The Jets ain't going nowhere. And like you said, last year in the second half, Wilson took a big step. I was at the Bucks jets game last year, and that was the best game that he played all year. And also, he had Michael Carter went out of the game and – Davis was out of the game. They only had Berrios in that game, and Berrios played a great game, obviously, and Jets almost pulled out a win, and Brady, you know, again, put the knife in our back. But the biggest thing this year is all about Wilson, and, you know, finally the Jets putting some weapons around him. You know, when they were talking about the draft this year, you know the Jets haven't taken a first-round receiver since Santana Moss in 2001? I mean, the Jets have done no favors for this organization and this offense for a long, long time, and the Jets, when they've had success, they have a good defense, and they're able to run the football, and hopefully Zach will able, like you said, to take that step forward this year. Well, Justin, I mean, look, you, you can't say, and thanks for the phone call, like they did for Sam Darnold. Ah, you know, he has no weapons. Uh, he has plenty of weapons, uh, and you, he, they might not have taken Obviously, they took Wilson this year in the first round, but they took more in the second round the year before that. Denzel Mims, they took him in the second round. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I don't think that you're going to get much out of Denzel Mims, but you take a look at the skill positions. If the offensive line – and that's one of the areas I thought that they were going to attack the offensive line in the draft. I thought that they would have taken a left tackle to, to kind of uh, take care of that position long term uh, because of the questions surrounding Makai Becton. But look at the look at the weapons that they have on this team now. You got the the, the running backs in Carter and Hall. The receivers are Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. You liked what you saw from him last year. You like what you saw from Berrios. Corey Davis can still do some things, even though he's been, you know, a tad disappointing. They've upgraded the tight ends, the offensive line they spent more money on. So, yeah, I mean, it's about it's about seeing some of the signs of that progress. This is not jumping the gun. This is not, um, oh, everybody just wants it immediately. No, you got to see some signs of progress. It doesn't have to be eight, nine, ten wins, but six wins, seven wins. Yeah, that's that's a fair expectation for them. Uh, let's go out to uh, Paul in White Plains. Paul, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. 
Hey, Gordon. Great to get in touch with you. This is just, I don't know if you even comment on it, but me and my brother, huge Jet fans, through my dad, and we were doing this, the go-over-the-record win, win-win, uh-huh. and I got hysterical at one point. I was like, wait a second. The other cities and teams are giving wins against the Jets because that's the organization. So it's so funny. Think about it right now on Cincinnati radio or whatever, Baltimore, anywhere, Pittsburgh, they're giving the win on against the Jets, and the Giants are in the same boat right now. Like You're thinking both franchises are awful. Oh, they're in disarray. That's a definite win, definite win. And we used to get so – we do it every year. Like, oh, we get a win there. I'm like, well, wait, why don't they get a win? And it's just so funny how, you know, I know professionals do this, go over the records, but you got it. What teams are really giving a loss against the Jets? Yeah, probably not that many. And I always kind of joke, Paul, you know, the, the problem for the Jets every year when the schedule gets released is they don't get to play the Jets. Um, <laughs> same, thing, same thing for the Giants. They don't get to play the Giants. It would be a lot easier. It'd be a lot easier, right? That's why when you hear about, well, the Giants looked great in practice. Well, they were practicing against the Giants. The Jets offense looked amazing in practice as well. It's because they were practicing against the Jets. Well, look, uh, again, if, if you run down the, the games for the Jets – I think six wins is the bare minimum, like the bare minimum. And you have to, again, they, now they only play three games in the, in the month of September this year because of the way the schedule starts on September 11th. So there's only three weeks. But between the Ravens, Browns, and Bengals, you've got to find a way to win one of those games. I know it doesn't seem likely, right? The, but if we were sitting here last year at this time, I don't know necessarily we've been thinking about the Bengals as being, an, you know, and, and the Jets beat the Bengals last year. So you got to find a way. You can't fall into this rut. And it happens with a lot of the teams in this town, the Knicks especially, where you're falling down early on and you never get caught back up. So if you start out the season 0-3, 0-3 then going to Pittsburgh, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be very good this year, but Mike Tomlin's record is pretty good. Uh, what, he has never finished below 500. And I, it, as the caller said, I don't think that the Steeler fans or the Steelers organization is looking at that game and say, oh, how, how are we going to beat the Jets? But you have to find a way. You've got to find a way to win at least six games this year for the Jets. There's no, that is the bare minimum. There's no excuses for anything beyond that. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get back to the phones here coming up in just a sec. I did want to touch on the Rangers because I was on last night with Larry, and I thought, yeah, man, maybe the, this is the general takeaway because the game just ended and people are excited. But I was listening to, to Kay today. I was listening to some other shows, and the it's, it's funny to me. I keep hearing Ranger fans say, well, you know, when we're down 2 nothing. we showed some fight, and we showed some moxie, and we showed this, and we got up off the mat, and we, all these things that are kind of nebulous, but we found our groove. We fa- No, Sidney Crosby got knocked out of the game. That's what, that was the – now, I don't think it was a dirty play. Obviously, today they did not, um, they did not discipline uh, Jacob Truba at all for that hit. But the hit happened, and that hit knocked him out of the game. I don't know what you're talking about. And the good news for Ranger fans is, not only is it, did he not get punished, I think there's a very good chance that he's not going to play again in the series, considering his, his concussion history and just the type of injury that is if he did suffer a concussion. If he doesn't play, look at the way the Rangers played yesterday at home. When he was in the game, they were trailing 2 nothing. When he was out of the game, they come back and win the game. And now if they don't have him moving forward, and I had numbers here somewhere, with Sidney Crosby on the ice, 
the 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 Penguins had outchanced the Rangers something like forty two to thirteen or something like that. So yeah, I mean that's it, it, it's okay. You can just admit like the thing that turned around the series is the fact that their best player left. <laughs> you took him out of the game, and now all of a sudden, wow, we look like a brand new team. What changed? Well, I can tell you what changed. It's pretty obvious what changed. So now I almost feel like even though they're down three two. It feels like the Rangers should win the I mean, they were already going up against a third-string goaltender who the more chances you get to see him looks more and more like a third-string. I mean, how many goals did he give up in a row yesterday? <laughs> Three goals in a row? Four goals in a row? Whatever it was? So uh, I, I think that the Rangers almost, certainly if they go into to Pittsburgh and are, are able to find a way, and there's no reason why they, they have to be able to play a better game than they played there so far, you almost, I almost feel like they should kind of win the series at this point if it's true that Crosby is not coming back for the other two games. Right? I, doesn't it feel that way? feels that way to me. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go to John in North Babylon. John, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. How you doing, pal? I'm good, man. What's going on? Hey, so real quick, just on the Rangers real quick, and then I'll get to the Jets. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm lockstep with you. I think if the Rangers find a way to win in Pittsburgh, uh, I think they're going to win the series in seven. But uh, they got to win, obviously, the game in Pittsburgh and get it back to the Garden for Game Seven. Yeah, now, I mean, yeah, it is. It is that kind of must-win game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now on the Jets, here's my thought process on this. You know, teams can look at the schedule and they can say, "Yeah, win against the Jets, win against the Jets, win against the Jets." The one thing I will say is. Um, you know, don't sleep on the Jets in the sense that you're going to have nine or ten new starters this year if you count Lawson and Beckton if they come back healthy with the draft picks, with the free agents. This is not going to be the same team that was uh, fielding last year and the year before. There's going to be a 50% turnover in starters going into next year outside of special teams. And with the additions they've made on offense, Let's face it, you hope that Wilson gets better, they're able to hold the ball longer, have sustained drives. That's going to help the defense. And in the end, I think they can get to eight wins. You know, the way I see it is if they split the first four, they can beat the Browns and Steelers. And, again, this is a crapshoot. Nobody knows for sure. You get those two wins. If you split with Miami and New England, now you're up to four. And if you get those three wins at the end of the season, you're at seven, and maybe you can squeeze a game during the season where another team is sleeping on the Jets because they, they think it's the same old Jets, but it's a whole new roster. Yeah, I mean, there's those kind of wins every single year, John, and, and, and thanks for the call, John. I mean, look, even last year, right? I mean, the Jets won games against the Bengals and the Titans. Uh, that, those are two, if you had gotten the schedule last year, you would not have necessarily, well, maybe the Bengals because you didn't think the Bengals, but the Bengals, if I told you the Bengals are going to go to the Super Bowl this year, are you going to beat them that week? I don't think that you would have thought that you would have been able to beat them, So, especially not with your backup quarterback. So, uh, well, look, it, it all comes back to the quarterback for sure in terms of what the product is on the field and how good they look week in and week out because if he, if he looks more like the guy he was to start last season rather than the way he closed last season, well, then you're kind of sunk. Uh, then, then you really got problems. But at the end of the day, to me, that's not just an indictment on the quarterback. That's an indictment on the GM. This is the GM's team now. This is completely his team. Again, you're talking about nine or ten different starters. 
This is his team, and, and there's only so long you can blame, hey, we had two bad GMs before, we haven't had a very talented roster, we don't have a very good team, we're rebuilding. You don't get unlimited rebuilding time. At some point, you got to show me that the, that the structure is, is starting to get built. It can't be just a vacant lot. And if you're winning fewer than six games, that's a sign that you are still in nowhere land if you're the Jets. Robert is in Jersey. Robert, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. What's up? Yeah, uh, real. I mean, before I get into the specifics, start. No team should start with four non playing a whole division to start the season, especially the AFC North. I mean, no entertainment value. I, I'm not thrilled with the beginning of the schedule. But with that being said, to carry on what you were just saying, everyone's been talking about Joe Douglas and what a good job he's done, and everyone's been talking about their fears of what Zach Wilson will be. When I look at the schedule, to me, it's on Salah. He's getting like a weird free pass somehow. They went out. They got the corner he wanted in the draft. They got the corner he wanted free agency. We got the D-line depth he wanted. And if the Jets' season is going to amount to anything, beyond Zach Wilson, if you get a chance to play Mitchell Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett in those first four games, then I want to see this defensive guru with all the fire that they hired when everyone wanted an offensive coach. You go out as a head coach, and I want to see him steal two of these games. So to me, I think he's kind of sliding under the radar. Everyone's talked about, will Joe end up on the hot seat? Can Zach get it done? I want to see Salah go out in a league where coaching matters more than any other sport and steal two of those games against quarterbacks that don't deserve to be starters in the NFL. Who, who, Trubisky, and who was the other one? Yeah, well, I'm assuming Deshaun Watson's not going to be there week two. Yeah, probably. That, of course, would change things. But if they get Cleveland in week two and they get Jacoby Brissett, go right. in the game. Go in the game. Yeah, I mean, look, Robert, I, I get what you're saying about Salah, and thanks for the phone call. It's just that, like, when you're talking about the on-the-field product, I think you're going to talk more about players than coaches. So, obviously, if you take the quarterback at number two and, and all that rides on the quarterback success and the team success, there's no probably no bigger position in, in professional sports right now where the two things are tied together. So, when you're talking about the on-the-field product, you're going to talk about the quarterback. But if you're going to go off the field – then you're going to be talking about the guy who's buying the groceries, and that would be Joe Douglas. I mean, Joe Douglas has been here longer. He's the guy who hired the coach. So if the coach is bad, yes, absolutely, that's partly on the coach, but it's also on the guy who hired the coach, right? If the quarterback's bad, that also ties into the guy who picked the quarterback. So uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, when you have the, the year that the Jets had last year and, and just the, the last five years, Everybody's going to be, this is now no longer, you got your free pass. You got your, your, your mulligan last year. No expectations. And all you had to do last year was win more games than the final year of Gase. And you doubled the wins. Congratulations. You, you, mission accomplished. Now, it was ugly at times. The defense was atrocious at times. The quarterback looked completely lost at times. But now all that's in the rear view. Now it's about time to produce. And again, producing is not <laughs> Super Bowl, playoff wins, playoff appearance, division title. None of that. Nobody is asking for any of that. But six, seven, eight wins, that is absolutely a fair expectation. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. We'll take a little break from the NFL for a little bit. Talk to uh, one of the best people to talk to when it comes to the NBA. No one better than ESPN senior NBA insider than Adrian Wojnarowski, who is nice enough to uh, give us a few minutes on this Thursday evening. Woj, welcome in. 
Gordon, uh, thank, thanks for having me. Good to be with you, as always. Well, look, as, as, let's get right into it. As exciting as the playoffs have been, I feel like the last time we talked, we were talking about playoffs and injuries, and it's been a major issue for a second year in a row. How serious is a, a concern is the injury issue for the league? Well, I mean, you know, obviously it's a concern. You need your best players on the court to have the best product, and it's important for – you know, at a competitive level, it's important for television, all of those things. I don't know that there's a solution. I think there's already a criticism of the league that uh, players are not available enough and that there is too much um, limit. There are too many limitations on players in terms of games played and minutes and, and all the things you would do to try to protect against injury. I mean, look, you got to, a Clipper team in the West that probably would have been the favorite in the West, or certainly think shoulder to shoulder with Phoenix. If they have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and certainly you didn't have Kawhi all year, but what do you do about it? I mean, Kawhi Leonard obviously had, you know, a season ending uh, a, a injury that kept him out the whole season. And, and, and they're trying to have both of those guys back for next year. Job Morant, obviously now uh, out for the foreseeable future and and Chris Middleton who I think people haven't maybe talked enough about in Milwaukee uh, is certainly one of their big three who's been out now uh, for most of the playoffs and and there's still some hope that they can get him back Uh, they're up 3-2 they've got a little bit of a cushion now in in that series against Boston but the hope had been that they could get him back for a conference final if not even sooner uh, depending on how this this series plays out. Has the league been, I forget about even a solution, has the league been able to identify why it feels like these injuries are happening at a more uh, increased rate? I don't know if the rate is increased, Gordon. I, I don't know offhand the data on that. If there mm-hmm. are more injuries than we've seen, it's certainly a, a part of the game. I mean, we can go back to, you know, Golden State and the Toronto final think of the injury in 2019 right think of the impact injuries had and those finals with clay thompson with kevin durant um and so uh you know golden state certainly was with without was was without steph curry and and draymond green for for significant parts of the season Uh, i think what it is showing though is the value it has in having the value there is and not just building your team around two or three contracts, um, players in their 30s, where the, the case has always been made, you win with veteran players, and you do. But look what Memphis is doing, and, and their executive, uh, their, their GM, Zach Kleiman, was just named executive of the year in a vote uh, today uh, that was released today, and they're without uh, John Morant. They almost win uh, – in Golden State, come back and, and win by 100 last night in Memphis and now send <laughs> right. the series back to, to Golden State because of the depth of their roster and how deep they can go. You know, Denver's another example of that. They lose uh, uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. basically for the whole season. Porter played nine games. And that was a team that uh, not only was in the playoffs, but uh, certainly um, was one of the better regular season teams in the league. And it speaks to the job they, they've done around. Obviously, they have the two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic. But I, so I think when you see these teams as they roster build, 
combination of certainly injuries and, and no one typically can survive the loss of one of their best two players. I mean, you just, you're not going to win a title that way, but I do think not putting all your money in the 30 something guys who have injuries, who are not always available um, is uh, I, I think you're going to see teams just kind of reevaluating the evolution of, of, of team building. And you, know, you look at Philly and the pressure that's on them now with James Harden uh, in his early thirties now and having to come up on a contract extension for him, what do they do? And, and so uh, that's a guy who was always available. He always played and you've seen, uh, hamstring injuries and, and soft tissue injuries the last couple of years really starting to catch up with James Harden. We're, talk, we're talking, of course, with Adrian Wojnarowski here, Gordon Damer, show 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Uh, two teams, Woj, that we thought were going to be still playing at this stage are really two of the more fascinating teams going into the offseason. That would be the Lakers, obviously, and then the Brooklyn Nets. Let's start with Brooklyn. Because Sean Marks had some very interesting comments yesterday about the the future of his team, the future of Kyrie Irving. He sounded to an outsider as pretty non-committal to Kyrie long term. What was your reaction to his comments? That he's non-committal to, to Kyrie <laughs> long term. No, I, I don't mean to be. I don't mean to be cute with it. I think if you're the Nets right now, it doesn't do you any good to come out and make public proclamations about committing years and money and uh, uh, contracts to players last year at this time, or last year before the start of um, this season, when James Harden, Duran and, and Kyrie were all eligible for extensions, they wanted all three of them to sign and they wanted all three of them to sign long-term max deals. They were ready to pay what was going to be a massive luxury tax. That was the plan when they traded for Harden and brought him in. And now listen, uh, they talked about it. They thought both players were going to do it. Neither did it. Uh, well, Kevin Durant, did. he signed, and that was the most important one to them. And there's no question about that. He, he's, he's their franchise player. And so I think for the Nets, it's a conversation now. It's what does it look like? What does moving forward together look like? And I think that's, and I think Sean Marks said it, that's going to come from conversation with Kyrie Irving and, and his representative and, and sitting down and talking about that it's got to look different moving forward, that, that what has happened here over the last few years um, is not sustainable. And so what does that mean? Is it the beginning of a negotiation? Is it, the, is it, is it kind of putting the gauntlet down a little bit? Uh, I think it was a message, you know, obviously clearly a message to Kyrie, and I, think it's, I don't think it's anything different than they'll probably say to him, but I think it's got to be a message to everybody else in the organization, the other players, and, and other players who might, who the Nets would like to try to add, like they, they're in position, again, they've got to go with veteran minimum deals. And those players who come in on the veteran minimum, you know, the good kind of veterans that you want to win with, they have lots of choices. And you better make sure you've got an environment that players in the league are hearing good things about and want to be a part of. And so that's what the Nets are also, I think, working on here is this has got to be a place guys want to play. And, and that starts certainly – with the environment, it starts with the availability of players. It starts with the attitude of players. Um, it, it, it certainly coaching is a big part of that, uh, and all of those things. So I think for the Nets right now, like they've got to hit a reset button on what this looks like. The good news for them is they have Kevin Durant signed long term, and I think everything else builds off of that. That's certainly the most important element of of their team building, they do have that in place. 
How much input does Durant have? Oh, listen, he's got a lot of input, but listen, his, his opinion, like the star player, just about anywhere in the league, like you don't run a franchise with a player of that magnitude, and there aren't very many Kevin Durants out there. We can argue he's, if he's not the best player in the league, he's in anybody's top three, however you want to sli- you know, slice it up. You're going to lean on that player and what he, what's important to him. But you may also, at times, counter back and say, "Hey, here's okay. I hear what you're saying about that. I'm not talking specifically with KD, but in most organizations, here's what we're thinking. Here's why. Here's what it all looks like. Here's how any one of these pieces fit into the bigger picture. Because if we do this, we can't do these other three things. We need to do. You're always prioritizing. And so I think the good organizations are always having those conversations with players and. Kevin Durant wants to win, and, and certainly he came to Brooklyn to win championships, and I can't imagine that Kevin Durant is a, is a very smart individual. He is a brilliant basketball mind. He, he sees and understands this game at a level few others ever will, and I, I think he wants to win. So I think he, my sense is he's going to want to do the things and make the corrections within there that need to be made so that the Nets can have a team that can still be playing with the Milwaukee's and, and Boston's and, and Philly's Miami's at this time of year, which is what they all expected when they put the team together. We're talking with Adrian Wojnarowski, Gordon Damer show, 98.7 FM ESPN, New York. You know, just the feeling from the outside Woj is that obviously Durant and Irving came as a package deal together, but after the things that went on this past season from the outside for, for callers and for fans, a lot of them bring up, like, how can Kevin Durant still be, you know, all in with, with, with Kyrie Irving? What is your sense of how tied KD is with Kyrie? Listen, I think they have had a very close relationship for a long time. I don't know that there's any – that that's changed. Uh, Kevin Durant would have to answer that question, uh, and I, I don't know that I would want to answer that for him. Um, but, I listen, they've been – they talked about coming to play together. They pulled it off. They, you know, I think Kevin Durant, perhaps more than Kyrie, played a part in helping to convince James Harden that the Nets would be the right place for him. And, and then obviously Sean Marks executed that trade. Um, but, again, uh, it'll be, I think organizationally, they've got to look at um, finding a way that it, it just it, – it, what has gone on is not sustainable. So there's going to have to be changes. And I think Sean Marks was pretty, pretty candid in, in laying that out. Now, last year, they weren't going to play Kyrie Irving um, as a part-time player. Uh, they brought him back uh, unvaccinated, and he was able to play road games for the team until the, the mandate was lifted that allowed, allowed him to play full-time. And so I, I think as an organization, they've got to figure out where they stand, um, and then stay on that path. Um, I think that's the solution for them. And I think after last year, you know, I think there's a sense that that's the direction they're moving in. We're talking with Adrian Wojnarowski, 98.7 FM. Uh, one more on the Nets. Um, can they even have a plan right now for Ben Simmons? And if they do, what would that plan look like? Get them healthy. And I think the back, listen, it was a real ailment. It, it, the surgery was was needed. There's a sense that it really alleviated some some pain and stress in the back, and uh, that's 
what they've said. That's what I've been told. And it's going to be a summer of rehabbing it and getting him on the court, you know, at a time when you're not trying to bring him back in a high pressure situation late in the season, in the postseason, after having not played all year, it was never an ideal scenario to bring Ben Simmons into the team, but it's what it was. And, and they needed him to play. They got swept without him. But I think having the, the hope is that he's ready to go by training camp and then having the ability then to build a chemistry with the team, you know, how much playmaking is he going to do? How much point, how much is he going to play at the point? How do they, at the forward position, how are they going to use him? Certainly defensively, his rebounding, his playmaking and passing uh, is going to help them a great deal. And then whatever he gives them uh, in, in other ways, offensively certainly is a bonus, but um, listen, because of the injury, I know people talk about would they move him again, would they trade him again? Well, you can eliminate that from the conversation. And I think right now it doesn't make any sense. You're, the value for Ben Simmons would be probably lower than even it was for Philly because no one has seen him play. Now he's had surgery. So Brooklyn, their idea is to get him on the court, get him playing, and see what they can make of this. They've got him under contract for a few years, and I think it's important to now um, – build, you know, build back this player who, you know, it's been a while, but this was an all NBA level player, a defensive player of the year, candidate, a rookie of the year. Uh, this is somebody who certainly um, at his best can help a winning team. All right. So that's the Nets part of it. The Sixers part, uh, not exactly working out for them either. Uh, assuming that they don't win this series, and really maybe even if they do, what's James Harden's future look like in Philly? Well, it's going to be a good question. He's got he can opt into the last year on his deal. He can extend off that. He could become a free agent if he wanted to do that. Um, there's a lot of options. I think certainly they paid a steep price to bring him there. First round picks, obviously Simmons, Seth Curry uh, were all certainly in, important assets. Um, you know, I think they're going to try to figure out a way to move forward together. Now, what does that look like contractually? Is that a four or five year max contract? I don't know. But I think if you're Philly, you look at the market, what else would be out there for him? What does James Harden want to do? Does he like playing there? I mean, he wanted to be there. And it's hard to imagine that James Harden can walk away again after wanting to be in Brooklyn and leaving and then want pushing for the Philly thing, getting that done. Is there somewhere else to go? There's always somewhere else to go. But I think, mm. listen, I think the relationships there between Daryl Morey, uh, James Harden, and, and again, the assets they gave up, and I think just getting him into an offseason where if it's the hamstring needs time to get better, if he needs an offseason of conditioning, if he has to take better care of himself in his 30s than he, did, than he had to in his 20s, I think those are all going to be factors for him to be able to play at a high level uh, into uh, into his mid-30s. I mean, you look at what Chris Paul did physically. He remade his body. And what he's doing at 37 is remarkable. And it's an important part, especially at that guard position. Uh, he doesn't have to be the player he was. He's so smart. He's such an incredible point guard playmaker. And, and James Harden's game was never built off of incredible speed explosion. He, he and Luka Doncic were much more alike in that way because they're physical, they're smart, they're incredibly skilled. And so I think for James Harden, there's a way for him still to be an elite player. Is he going to be an MVP again? No. 
But Joel Embiid's their MVP, and he's in his prime. And, and, and Tyrese Maxey is coming fast as a really good young uh, uh, two-guard in this league. So uh, I think there's an opportunity for them to figure this out in Philly. And I think having a normal offseason, if they get eliminated here or somehow they come back and beat Miami, you know, you, you, last summer, remember, everything was a month shortened and it was a shorter offseason. Now we're back on the normal NBA calendar. And I think for Harden, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for him to kind of take inventory on physically and, and see if there's a way to come back in better condition. He was injured last summer, couldn't work out as much. That did, that did impact the kind of shape he came in. You know, let's see what he can do with this offseason and, and, and as they figure out the contract. We're talking with Woj here on the uh, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM. Uh, usually, I mean, we're, we've talked for like 10 minutes, and I have not even mentioned the Knicks, and it's the offseason, Adrian, so that's, uh, that's progress. You know, Leon Rose, I think he deserves credit for not forcing the big move just for the sake of making one in his first two years, and other regimes with the Knicks have made that mistake. But on the other side, at some point, you have to make that kind of move. What do you think the odds are that the Knicks make a significant push for maybe not a superstar, but a top-line, headline-type player this offseason? I think the odds are 100% that they'll make a significant push uh, to get a a front-line top, you know, uh, a very good player, an all-star level player. Now, whether they'll be able to pull it off, that's unclear. Do they have the assets to go out and get a deal? Do they have willing partners out in the marketplace? Do you have teams who are looking to move um, to move those kind of players. And so, you know, that may all still yet play out, but I, I think they're playing all along. And listen, that was a big part of why Jim Dolan hired Leon Rose were his the great relationships he has around the league and, 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 and William Wesley in his front office and their ability to go out and, and um, get players either through trades or free agency. Now, this is not a team right now with, with great cap flexibility. You know, if they wanted to get involved with Jalen Brunson in free agency, they'd have to move some things around to be able to do that. Um, so, um, you know, but I do think trade-wise, <coughs> excuse me, Gordon, they're going to try to get, be engaged, get involved. You know, they tried to get involved like last summer, uh, uh, Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps not an all-star level player still, but still a very good player when he's healthy, very good. And he had a great year in Charlotte until he got injured again. Um, you know, they tried to get him. They had some cap space to do something with him, maybe on a one-year deal, and he got much more security and uh, going to Charlotte and, and did that. So, um, you know, uh, I, listen, I think they're going to be aggressive. I think they're going to try. Um, we'll see what is available to them out there. Who can they get at? And, and I think, listen, the kind of players they want, teams typically aren't dying to, to part with. And so you're, you're kind of left there right now. All right, Woj, one last one for you. Two coaches that get brought up a lot around here. One, Kenny Atkinson, the other, Mark Jackson. Uh, what do you think the uh, odds are that either ends up with a head coaching job this offseason? Well, Mark Jackson uh, w- was, was close in the Sacramento job uh, pursuit, went, went to Mike Brown, obviously, um, and, and he has interviewed for the Lakers. Their list is pretty expansive right now. Um, they've not really started to narrow it down. I think they're really going to take their time. Kenny Atkinson uh, interviewed in Charlotte this week, I'm told, uh, reported yesterday that he is going to interview with the Lakers. Um, you know, so certainly, again, there's only 
right now uh, the Lakers and Charlotte uh, among available openings. Obviously, Sacramento filled their position. Uh, so, you know, both both coaches are actually you know, in the mix in, in both places. And, and I think, you know, both certainly in the right um, – in the right scenario could be head coaches again. And, you know, Kenny Atkinson is, is had a really good impact with that golden state uh, organization. They've really enjoyed having him there. He's brought a little different dynamic uh, to their group that they really liked and uh, same in last year with the Clippers. And so, yeah, so we'll see how it plays out. I think Mike D'Antoni, we talk about another former New York coach. Uh, he's very much in the conversation, very much in the process with the Charlotte Hornets too. Adrian, thanks as always for the time, and uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs. You got it, Gordon. Talk to you soon. Take care. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, my goodness, people. It is time. Now, we usually save this for a Saturday Gordon Damer Show, but I'm on tonight. What are we going to do? It is time for what I learned on TikTok. Now, not a usual Saturday listener. You don't know what I'm talking about. Very easy segment. People that work on the show, well, who knows? We might get some phone calls involved in this as well. 1-800-919-ESPN. I will give you four pieces of information. Three pieces of information I have completely made up. They are not true in any way. But one of the factoids I give you is actually a fact. It is absolutely true, and they all sound kind of impossible. So we'll run through it here, and you'll get the hang of it. It's not that complex. I'm not a complex guy. But tonight we have both Jacob, who has played the game before, to mixed results. And we have Jacob Montgomery, uh, Jake Montgomery, who is a, uh, a first-timer, a rookie, first-time, long-time who is going to uh, get the first taste of what I learned on TikTok this week. I've heard I, big things, Gordon. Man. I've, heard, I've heard big and great things about this segment, so I'm excited. I, I have heard that it, it's the best segment of any show on the station. Now, I've heard that because I've said it. But it's still, it's still, you know, like they say about the like the movie reviews. Who knows where these movie reviews come from? Who knows who say these things? I actually heard that it's the best segment on the radio, too, about 20 seconds ago when you said it. So there exactly. we go. That's all. Sometimes you like, how do you think Michael Jackson got the nickname King of Pop? He came up with it himself. Nobody gave him that nickname. He did it himself. How do you think uh, Howard Stern got known to be the king of all media? He came up with it himself. So I am labeling what I learned on TikTok as the new best segment on the station. And I, I brought this up to Brian Mangia, who played on Saturday, and he did not disagree. Now, he didn't agree either, but he was very noncommittal. But we'll see. All right. Are you ready, Jake? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. All right. You understand how the game works? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. First, uh, four facts. Only three of them are actually facts. Or, excuse me, only one of them is an actual fact. Three of them are made up. Here we go. Off to a rough start. Number one, Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be the official bird of the United States, not the bald eagle. That's number one. Number two, back in 1518... There was a plague known as dance fever in which people danced themselves to death for no reason. Number three, orange is the only word in the English language which cannot be rhymed. And number four, birds cause more power outages in the United States than extreme weather. Those are your four factoids. And now, Jake Montgomery, you have to 
figure out what did I learn on TikTok this week? So one of these is true. One of these is true. I'll recap them again for you. I think Benjamin, I got them. Benjamin, okay, well, this is also for the audience, Jake. It's a radio vehicle uh, uh, But here. can I repeat them to you to see if I have Go them? Go right? ahead. You give right. them to me. So we have Benjamin Franklin. He yep. wanted the turkey to be the official bird of the United States, not the exactly. bald eagle. So that's the first one. That is the first one. Then I have, I was trying to follow, 1518, there was yes. a plague called Dance Fever. Yes. Where they just danced themselves to death. For is, no reason. For no reason. Yes. Okay. Fact number three, I have orange is the only word that cannot be rhymed in the English dictionary. Right, the English language. In the English language. And then Mm -hmm. the last but not least, birds cause more power outages than the weather. Yes, for more than extreme weather. Than extreme weather. And one of these you learned on TikTok this week. Which is true, yes. Which is true. All right, Mm -hmm. I don't want to start off slow, but I'll give my answer. I think that the thing that you learned on TikTok this week is that Birds cause more power outages than severe weather. Okay. Now, sometimes people like to go back and forth. Sometimes people will lock it in right away. Are you locking it in? I'm going to lock it in, Gordon. All right. It's locked in. Birds cause more power outages in the U.S. than extreme weather. Jake Montgomery, right out of the box, you are incorrect, my friend. Oh, no, man. that is not true. That no. little, I thought you were about to say, yeah. Yeah, I like to throw Off you. Off to I a like good to, start. I like to but... give you a little swerve. Now, do we want to give Jacob a chance at this question here? Well, he does have a better chance of getting it right now that there's only right. three. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. But I think he'll still get it wrong. So let's give him okay. a chance. Wow. That, I mean, wow. his his track record is not the best. Now, it's not Tom Bauer bad, but it's not far off. But I would say the way I did end the last way I played, I am going to take that you're, momentum. You're getting better. Okay. Yes, I'm going to take right, that so momentum to, into so, this one. So to recap for the audience, Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be the official bird of the U.S., not the bald eagle. Okay. Uh, 1518, the plague known as dance fever. Or, number three, orange is the only word in the English language which cannot be rhymed. Well, I don't think the orange one is true because it okay. may be a couple more words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I so do. you're going to cross that one off. See, this pro- is the way Brian goes about it. He likes to cross two off right away, uh, and then he likes to choose from two. Now, unfortunately for Brian, he has in the past crossed ones off right away that have turned out to be true. So I don't know that it's an effective strategy. Yes, it, it is not, because I no. also have done it in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's always the outrageous ones that you would hardly believe. Mm-hmm. But for this one, I truly am going to go with uh, that Benjamin Franklin one that the turkey, not the bald eagle as the uh, national The official bird. Yes. Locking it in. I am indeed locking it in. All right. Locked it in. You are incorrect. Also wrong. Yeah, that one's not true either. No, Benjamin Franklin uh, did not want the turkey to be the official bird of the U.S. Uh, All right. So now we're down to uh, orange, the one that you crossed off. uh, All right. uh, uh, 1518, dance fever. And orange is the only word in the English language which cannot be rhymed. Now, I know Clyde Frazier for a long time wanted to get a word that would rhyme with orange, and obviously orange does not rhyme with any other word, but is it the only word? That's the question. So, Jake Montgomery, we go back to you. Now it's down to two. You got a 50-50 shot. Which way are you going to go? Well, I mean, to your point there, are there words that rhyme with words like encyclopedia or these long cornucopias? Is there something that rhymes with a well, word like that? encyclopedia and cornucopia would it would rhyme. Those, those two would rhyme. I don't know about that. As Anthony Rizzo hits an RBI triple to tie the game 3-3, three to three, but I digress. I am going to go with the dance fever plague of 15-18 is the fact that you learned on TikTok this week. Are you going to lock it in? Gordon, I am locking it in. 
You got it right. Yes, May wow. of 1518, there was a plague known as dance fever, described as people dancing themselves to death for no reason, and it remains unsolved. No, well, I mean, I don't know what they were doing really, like at hospitals back in 1518. They just, like, if you had something wrong with you, that you were, that's, there's nothing we could do. Uh, but yeah, dance fever, very, very real, 1518. So there you go. That's what I learned on TikTok this week. So I didn't want to look up the right answer before we played, no, but now that, I am. That killed, that's, that, that's the one promise you got to make of me course, you don't look it up. Because that kills everything. Of but, course, why would you do that? You know, speaking of killing, I'm looking at some info about the dancing plague of 1518, and it says somewhere between 50 and 400 people actually died during this plague of dancing. It seems like a wide range. Like, if you don't even know that between, like, if I said to you I have had, you know, 50 to 400 of something, you'd say that's a pretty, it's a pretty wide range of numbers. Can't you narrow it down a little bit more than that? It's not like 250 to 275 people. Well, I have a question for you, Gordon. If I said to you, does Giancarlo Stanton have one or two home runs tonight, is that number much of a difference? It is. It's a huge difference. It is. Because that's the difference between the Yankee tie game and the Yankees now with a 5-3 lead. And it's weird. The Yankees are winning in all these variety of ways. Every time I look up, they're hitting home runs. Well, Giancarlo Stanton just hit his second home run of the night, his second two-run home run, and the Yankees do take a 5-3 lead. Well, I know that Judge was the first guy to have 10 home runs on the season, but Giancarlo Stanton is uh, quickly creeping up to him. He now has nine. So Yanks 5-3, third inning there. Um, All right, we'll move on to the next question here. We will go to uh, Jacob. You get the first crack at this one. You ready? I am indeed ready. Let's go. All right, here we go. Um, Okay, first up, Elvis was actually a blonde but dyed his hair when he got into music. Elvis was actually blonde, but dyed his hair when he got into music. Number two, the actress Kate Winslet was nearly fired from Titanic because of her inability to hold her breath underwater for very long. Number three, it is illegal to operate a car with the interior light on, and in four states you can actually be arrested for it. Uh, Or number four, George Washington's wooden teeth were actually made from a tree near his childhood home. George Washington's wooden teeth from a tree near his childhood home. One, two, three, or four, my friend. I am going to go with three. I don't know. It's just something in me that just sticks with that Illegal to operate a car with its interior light on and in four states you can actually be arrested for it. Are you locking it in? I am indeed locking it in. Hopefully. Jacob. You are incorrect, my friend. No, that is not true. In fact, it is not illegal to operate your car with its interior light on. It's a very uh, mis, uh, it's a big misperception, a misconception that uh, for some reason a lot of people think it's illegal to drive with your – but you will not be arrested for it in four states. And there's some wacky laws out there, but that's not one of them. Uh, Jake, you want to step in here? Now you, get to, now you get the benefit of Jacob getting it wrong. You're down to three. Do you want me to repeat them for you? I'll do it for the audience. I Elvis was yes. actually a natural blonde. Kate Winslet nearly got fired from the Titanic because she couldn't hold her breath. And George Washington's wooden teeth were actually made from a tree near his childhood home. Now, Gordon, before I answer, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So these other three facts, do you just make up yourself? I just make them up, yep. I absolutely just make (laughs) them up. And in fact, I actually Uh, spend more time making (laughs) up the facts for this stupid segment than uh, I got worried. See, when we first did it, I gave you three true facts that I learned from TikTok, but at some point, I stopped learning things on TikTok, so I'm like, wait a second, I gotta keep the. I can come up with stupid stuff, you know, out of my own head all day, but 
yeah, it does take a lot of time to come up with all these these wacky ones. I'm actually impressed that I'm I'm, I'm more impressed of the ones that you made <laughs> up than the ones that I found right. out. The two truths and a lie. But yes, I would love to hear the options one more time. All right, the uh, the options again. Elvis was actually a blonde and only dyed his hair when he got into music. Kate Winslet was nearly fired from the Titanic movie Titanic, not the ship. Uh, because of her inability to hold her breath underwater very long, or George Washington's wooden teeth were actually made from a tree near his childhood home. So that last one, the George Washington one, I'm definitely ruling out. So okay. I'm going to go with the Elvis or the Kate Winslet. All right. And I think that I'm going to go. I was a young boy with blonde hair that turned, wow. you know, brown. Mm-hmm. So maybe Elvis, you know, the king. I'm a king. I'm going to go with that one. Elvis was actually a blonde. Locking it in. Gordon, lock it in. Promo right. code Gordon. All right, Jake Montgomery. Yes, you got it right. Elvis was hey. actually a blonde. He was dyed, he dyed his hair when he got it to music. Now, eventually it did start to change, but even then it only got to be brown. But, uh, yeah, he was born a natural blonde. Elvis, who knew? Look at that. I'm batting 500. There you go. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, so this will be next your question. Sounds this good. This one is a little, uh, a little tricky. All right, you ready? I am ready. Number one, Twinkies have no expiration date. Twinkies have no expiration date. Number two, it rains diamonds on Uranus. Number three. Excuse me? (laughs) Number three, using your laptop computer on your lap causes infertility or can cause infertility. Or number four, Tom Cruise once spent $50,000 on an electra. uh, I'm going to stumble with this word electromagnetic field meter designed to detect poltergeists. I'll give you that one again. Tom Cruise spent 50000 on an electromagnetic field meter designed to detect poltergeists. So if this was a, you know, a betting site and mm-hmm. there was an option, is Jake going to get this question right? Mm-hmm. I would bet the house that I'm okay. going to get this one right. Because right. I believe it is the one with the laptop. Okay. Because gonna- I... I believe I've been told by my parents that if I have my laptop on my lap, that it might not be the best for my future. Right. Well, I mean, if, unless you're looking, you, are, are you looking to have kids right now? <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if you're not, it I, might actually be a benefit. I'm practicing, know? Gordon. I'm practicing. Right. But I'm going to go with the laptop one. The laptop. Repeatedly using your laptop computer on your lap causes infertility. You're locking it in. Lock it in, Gordon. Jake Montgomery. You're no longer batting 500. No, that is incorrect. Oh, man. Incorrect. I bet the house, Your parents too. are spreading misinformation. <laughs> what is my dad telling me? Yeah, for real. All right. So, uh, Jacob, you're back in the in the saddle here. Again, the, uh, the options, uh, Twinkies have no expiration date. It rains diamonds on Uranus. Or Tom Cruise once spent 50K on an electromagnetic field meter designed to detect poltergeists. Well, Tom Cruise is always eccentric and erratic. He is so, a weird guy. So I... That could be believable, but you mm-hmm. know, Gordon. I, I, maybe that's one of those things I just made up out of my own head. Yeah, you do. Who like, knows? You do like the twist things. You do have right. an imagination. Also, uh, Twinkies. That was always a topic of conversation. Uh, I think it was they got you drunk if you kept them long enough. Or something <laughs> along not, those I did lines. not hear that one. I might use that one on Brian on Saturday. I'll keep that one in my pocket. Uh, <laughs> since it's not laptops, and that was the one I was going to go with. I'm just going to go with Twinkies. 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 Twinkies have no expiration date. Twinkies have no expiration date. Locking it in. Lock it in. Jacob, 
You, my friend, are again incorrect. No, Twinkies absolutely have an expiration date. Now, they do have some weird things in there, but no, they do have an expiration date. So, Jake, uh, you're back in there. It's either uh, raining diamonds on Uranus or Tom Cruise spending 50K to find out about Poltergeist. I think Jacob's a little drunk from eating too many Twinkies <laughs> earlier. <might> <laughs> <be>. <laughs> all, right, all right. So, we have the Twink. No, Twinkies is gone. He Twinkies just, is out. Yeah, so, we he's have already Tom Cruise, and Ur- Tom Cruise and Uranus. Right. Oh, hey, what, well, well, those are some interesting options right there. The planet. There. We're talking the, <laughs> the planet. planet. Wow. Get your head out of the gun. All right. Get my head out of the gun. Wow. All right. Exactly, Paul. I think you are a sick human being and just wanted to hear me say Uranus. So I'm going to say <laughs> that on Uranus, it indeed rains diamonds. Jacob lock Montgomery, it in, are you locking in? You're locking in lock, that it lock rains it diamonds on Uranus. It, I bet you it does. It does, yes, Yay! absolutely. We've not gone to Uranus, but if we did, it would be raining diamonds there. So, yes, very good. Good job. Uh, I think I have, let's see, we got, um, I got three more questions. So why don't we, uh, we we'll, we'll throw out the phone number if, if listeners want to get in on it and put Jake and Jacob out of their misery, and you can do a better job, please, by all means, one 800 919 ESPN is the telephone number. It's what I learned on TikTok, and we'll do another round of it coming up next, only here on The Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Now back to The Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now, I did not learn it on TikTok, but I did watch the TV, and uh, the Sixers are spent. (laughs) I didn't have to go to TikTok to find that out. No, no. And it really does raise, we were talking during the break, and it does kind of raise an interesting question because, like, for Nick fans, they might not like me saying this, but over the last decade, the Knicks have not really had any hope. Like, there's not really been some hope that the Knicks are now going to go challenge for a championship. Over the last 10 years, though, or whenever they started the process, there was some hope that Philadelphia eventually, with all these draft picks, all these number one picks, would eventually put together a team. There would just be too many, it would just be too much talent to not win a championship, or at least challenge for a championship, at least get to an NBA final, at least get to a deep series in the finals. And it really does raise the question what's be- as a sports fan, what's better? Is it better to have no hope, or is it better to have false hope? Because I think it might be better to have no hope at all. Because when people make fun of you and your team, oh, you know, and, and crush you and, and and say all the things, you're almost immune to it because you've already said all those things, all the jokes. You've already kind of said them to yourselves. I think that the situation the Sixers find themselves where they had, maybe not so much this year, but they've had in the past that eventually they're going to go and, and win a title or at least make a very deep playoff run. Uh, that has not been uh, has not been the case. I think that's actually worse to have false hope than uh, no hope at all. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is ninety eight point seven FM ESPN New York. All right, guys, do you want to maybe team up for a couple of questions? I got a couple of questions left that I want to burn here before we get back to the uh, the sports stuff. Do you, Jacob and Jake, want to maybe team up and see if maybe you can get one of these right along the way? Let's do it. All right, do we got the music there, Jacob? Yes, you need, you need to have the, the game show music for what I learned on TikTok. Again, if you're just joining us, what I learned on TikTok, 51-year-old man, I spend way too much on that time on that app, but I learned a bunch of stuff. And this segment I use to share that knowledge with you. Three facts completely made up, one completely true, and something that I learned on TikTok. So here we go. Jake and Jacob, I don't know what your batting average is, but it's uh, down in uh, Joey Gallo territory right now. 
at this point, I struck out every time. Yeah, it's it's not it's not been good. And it, right, as the Joey Gallo defenders say, it's not about batting average, no, right? It's about OBP or WAR right. or some good stat. I don't decisions. know exactly. Exactly. All right, here we go. Uh, fact number one: Cookie Monster's real name is Sid. Fact number two: On average, thirty-two percent of what you breathe in during a train ride is most likely the dead skin cells of other passengers. Number three, Zac Efron is so obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster that he is currently planning an exhibition to Scotland to research it. And number four, when the first settlers arrived in America, peaches were covered in thick black fur, but the pilgrims created the light, lightly fuzzed modern version of peaches through careful, selective breeding. So just to recap, some of those are a little wordy. Yes. Uh, Cookie Monster's real name is Sid. On average, 32% of what you breathe during a train ride is most likely the dead skin cells of passengers. Zach Efron is obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster and wants to go research it. And number four, the peaches were thick black fur originally, but pilgrims created the lightly fuzzed modern version through carefully selective breeding jacob jake put your heads together and come up with a decision so we've been just staring at each other in the studio as you read them and we have no idea really <laughs> all right you're just to gonna take fair, a shot in the dark it's funny because like you try to think it's like you know cookie monster's real name is sid that's so simple like did gordon make that up and right. think oh like i need to just so make something up simple now. and now yeah. it's kind of got us you know stuck Okay. And then the one, the second one, on average, 32%. Like, what very a, specific. Very specific. So it's like, how could Gordon make that up? If he did, he truly is one of the biggest weirdos that I've ever met. <laughs> but, again, you went through all four options. We looked at each other. Jacob, I will let you, since we shook our head, I don't know at all four, I will let you embarrass yourself instead of me. Well. Well, why don't you both say which one you would most likely go with, and then you can wrestle on who feels more confident in their in their select. Who knows? Maybe you both kind of. All agree. right. So I'm going to go with the 32% on okay. the train ride, just sure. because I took the train here and I felt like I right. need to shout. something. I felt <laughs> something in there. Something is going on. Yeah. And right. I, I, so I'm going to go with that one. It's too specific. 32%. Um, okay. I'm going to go with that one. All right. Do you agree, Jacob? I would agree because I think the number must be must much higher than that. Thirty-two okay. percent, especially okay. in New York. Come yeah. on, yeah, that's a lot of dead skin, my that's friend. That's a lot of dead skin cells. So, are you both locking it in? Let's lock it in, Gordon. Let's lock it in. On average, thirty-two percent of what you breathe during a train ride is most likely the dead skin cells of passengers, other passengers. Uh, and no, that is incorrect. I'm sorry. The number is actually twenty-five percent. Twenty-five percent, not thirty-two percent. So I just, I, I just slightly modified that one to make it a little higher and, and seemingly impossible. But no, that is incorrect. So do you want to take another shot? Cookie Monster? I'm going yeah, to go the opposite side of the spectrum and just do something really simple. Maybe Cookie Monster's real name is Sid. You want to do that one, Jacob? Let's do that. Let's do that. The opposite right. of complex. You want to lock it in? I mean, we're probably going to lose anyway, but let's lock it in. Lock it. All right. Cookie Monster's real name is Sid. That is correct. Yes, Whoa! that is correct. Really? Cookie Monster's real name is Sid. Yeah, I just uh, found that out today, as a matter of fact. Were, were you to... hanging out with Sid or something? What, how'd you find it? Oh, TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Uh, of course. It's all about TikTok, my friend. It's all about TikTok. All right, I got and one I do last say this, one. Really I'll give quick... you one last one, and then I'll give you a reprieve. For Before a you, the question, Gordon, I do yeah. want to say this for our audience. 
for a guy, again, you are young in spirit, and that's all that matters. But your knowledge of social media is really outstanding. <laughs> I'm not just saying that. Yes. I and the my... number of people ignoring me on all those social medias is also quite impressive. No, but you my... can find me on TikTok, there you Old go. Man Radio. Old but Man yes. Radio is a great TikTok, and I follow all the stuff that you post on social media. But it's funny. My dad, when he speaks out a text message, he literally speaks it out to his phone. Mm-hmm. But Dutch, I'm not saying, you know, my dad's in his late 50s, early 60s. Right. He's not you, that far away. You, no, but you're much more advanced. I don't even think my dad knows what a TikTok is. Well, this is the way he can he can learn so much in just a short period of time. It's very addictive. All right, we'll give you one last one, and then we'll get back to the sports. Uh, 1-800-919-ESPN. All right, here we go. Number one, Herbie Hancock, the musician Herbie Hancock, wrote the theme song to the Jetsons. Duck Quacks. Do not echo. Number three, by the time of her death, the poet Emily Dickinson weighed 382 pounds. Or number four, the lighter was invented before the match. Herbie Hancock wrote the theme song to the Jetsons. Ducks quacks do not echo. By the time of her death, Emily Dickinson had really let herself go, 382 pounds. Or the lighter was invented before the match. Oh boy, Gordon! <laughs> now, don't Do you, be looking anything up. Don't be don't, oh, no, don't be tempted. We're, 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 yeah, we're, we're like one for four, man. I'm just saying there, but, there can be some temptation on this. But I just love this segment because you know there's listeners thinking to themselves like, "What the hell is the answer?" Right. So uh, we are with you, listeners. Don't feel so bad. Um, that you are you are the sacrifice for the listeners because they don't want to be publicly embarrassed by getting these things wrong. So instead, we do it. Right, you do. That's that's the well, sacrifice. Well, I'll publicly embarrass myself by saying I have no idea who Herbie Hancock is. You don't so, know who Herbie Hancock? He was a musician. He had like uh, I'm he was like keyboardists. Yeah, I'm familiar with the name, but I'm not really like if you tell me, I'm like. I won't know one song. I'm not jamming out to Herbie Hancock on my off time, Gordon. You should ask your dad. I'm sure he knows. He was like a a jazz guy. I think he was a pianist. Uh, Well, after my dad told me that stuff about the laptop, I'm not going to. Right. You can't trust anything that guy says. (laughs) Exactly. And what was the final one? I know the duck quacks do not Uh, echo in the Emily uh, Dickinson. Herbie Hancock, duck quacks, Emily Dickinson. The lighter was invented before the match. (laughs) I'm going to go with that one. Why not? I know it sounds really weird and, like, what are the odds that the lighter was before the match, right. but I'm going to go with that one. Jacob, you uh, going to lock it in with him, or are you going to go down on your own? I think I'm going to go down on my own. Okay. Because that one sounds, I mean, uh, it sounds a little less Gordon-esque, and what I mean by right. that, it doesn't sound outrageous, but it, okay. you know, it could be believable. But I, uh, I'm going to go with Herbie Hancock and the Jetsons. I mean, I don't know right. too much, and why not? Go down with Both locking it in. Lock it in. Well, one person got it right. Jake Montgomery, yes, the lighter hey. was actually invented before the match. Not that doesn't seem bit. like it makes a whole lot of sense, yeah. but that's true. I know. That's that's kind of what I'm gonna go with from now on. If it doesn't make any sense, that's mm-hmm. gonna be my answer. Well, that's a that's a that's a philosophy to ca- just have in life. If it doesn't make any sense, just go with it anyway. All right, so that's going to do with what I learned on TikTok for this Wednesday night. And now that I've learned it, you, my friend, have learned it too. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.